Welcome back to Bella Figura, the tradition of living beautifully. I am your host, Dolores Alfieri Taranto, and on this show, we talk spirituality for the rest of us with a focus on the art of beautifying all facets of your life using heritage, culture, beauty by hand, ancestral traditions, and old world style as a means to do so. Hello there, my friends. Thanks for coming back. We're kicking off season three. The theme for this season is slow down. Now, I know that the last time you heard from me when I signed off on season two, I promised I'd be back in two weeks and it's actually been two months. And while I really do try to stick to a schedule, the fact of the matter is I do this all by myself. (laughs) I'm a one woman show. I have a two-year-old's the business that I'm running, homes that I'm running, a husband. And as so many of you out there listening know, it's not always easy and even more so, it very rarely goes smoothly. But I have been recording episodes. I have some wonderful guests yet again to share with you. And as we have done for the past two seasons, you and I, we are going to investigate unpack, explore the topic of choice, which again for season three is slow down. Now, of course, I've mentioned this before, but I pick these themes for each season because I pick something that I feel like I want to learn more about. I want to immerse myself in. I need a little bit more of. And if you follow me over on Instagram, I'm at Dolores underscore Alfieri underscore Taranto. You know that I talk a lot about slowing down, mainly my quest to want to slow down and to so often have to remind myself to slow down. It's such a crazy world we live in. That is an understatement. The pace, the information, the demands the technology, the speed, the convenience. I mean, I can go on and on and basically I will <laughs> along with my wonderful guests for this season, but you know, I do write a lot about this topic on Instagram and I'm really looking forward to hearing the opinions of all these people that I'm going to be speaking to, people who own their own businesses, artisans, writers, and figure out a way that we can live in these supposed modern times and keep some kind of human pace to our lives and restore some of the richness and the savoring of life. So subscribe to the show. If you're not subscribed already, you just Go to the show page wherever you listen to podcasts and on Apple, for instance, in the top right hand corner, there's a little plus sign. You just click that plus line and every time I put out a new episode, it will automatically appear in your feed. Okay, so now that we're back, now that we're kicking off season three, I have really exciting announcements. It's not just a new season. It's a new me. (laughs) It's a new platform with 
new additions that I think you're going to love, including new sponsors and new ways to get content out to you. To start off with, I am now on Substack and I'm thrilled that I'm finally doing this. I've been thinking about it for a long time and I've been actually behind the scenes kind of researching the different platforms like Substack and Patreon and trying to figure out which one I think works not only for the content I create, but for my lifestyle. I really don't want to add more stress. I don't want to be even more frazzled than I sometimes am, or for that matter, more behind than I already am uh, with, with projects, for instance, like launching season three. So Substack seemed to be the best fit for me. I can just sit down and start writing or pull out a really great few minutes excerpt from one of the podcast episodes and share that with my subscribers. It's a beautiful interface, super easy to just upload my photography, and I am thrilled to offer something that has a paywall. And I'll explain why. Not only because, of course, if you subscribe for just $7 a month, what is that, less than $2 a week, you are putting your money where your mouth is. You're putting your money where your interest is. Now you have some skin in the game. And through that paywall, I will feel much more comfortable talking about a lot of the things that I don't really feel comfortable talking about on Instagram, where really anybody and anyone can come and go and drop in at any point. You know, things like about marriage and talking about motherhood in more detail and specifically my approaches to motherhood, uh, things like some of my doubts, some of my fears, but even more so just being able to share with just a little more relaxation, a little more intimacy, because that paywall really tells me you want to be here. It tells me that you want to hear more of the things you have already been hearing from me. You want to read more of the things, see more of the photographs. And that lets me know that basically I can put my guard down a little bit and be open in a way that I'm not in these you know, open, free platforms. So as I said, my Substack uh, subscription is $7 a month. It really helps to keep me doing what I'm doing. It helps to keep this show going. It'll help to keep every part of my platform going. The newsletter is titled The Tradition of Living Beautifully. I will link to that newsletter in the show notes. I do have some free content I will occasionally put out there, but behind the paywall is where it's at. For less than $2 a week, just $7 a month, you can support me, this show, the writing you see on Instagram and the writing that will come out through Substack and really just get deeper into this community where we are all trying to enrich our days and to live more authentically and more beautifully. Hope to see you over there. And now for another one of my exciting new announcements. We have a new sponsor this season. If you listen to season two, you will remember her. She was my episode 10 guest 
when in doubt, go backwards. Of course, I'm talking about Annabelle Alsup. Annabelle is the founder of House of Tokemon, a beautiful online business that sells handwoven, vintage, clean, natural rugs. Now, if you listen to that episode, you heard Annabelle and I talking about the fact that these rugs we're buying at the box stores, at Target, etc., and bringing into our homes are toxic. I had a little revelation myself listening to Annabelle's expertise, and slowly but surely, as budget will allow, I am replacing the rugs in my home with rugs from Annabelle's shop, House of Tokemon. Annabelle is not only trustworthy, she is really knowledgeable. So if Annabelle's picking out a rug and it's being cleaned and she's putting it up in her shop, you can be sure that it is authentic, durable, and non-toxic. These are rugs that are hand-woven by women throughout the world, and they have stood the test of time. And to help you start Joining me in swapping out your box store rugs, Annabelle is offering Bella Figura listeners a discount code 25% off any rug. Use the code Bella25, that's B E L L A, 25 over at House of Tokemon's website, hotrugs.net. That's hotrugs.net, and I'll link to it below in the show notes, and you can take 25% off any rug you see and probably fall in love with. Okay, now let's get started on this episode. Episode one, season three. My guest is Shelly Jesse. Shelly Jesse grew up in rural Northern California and currently makes her home on the beautiful Central Coast. She makes her living as an independent designer artist and high tanner and rancher. Her brand, Hollow Bone, is dedicated to helping others live the ranch life and to creating well-made, timeless pieces made by artisans out of natural materials, which are salvaged from their respective industries. Hollow Bone is more than a brand. It is a dedication to the future and the health of our culture. It is a love story about raw materials, a handmade life, and a love of land. So listening to that bio, it's probably no surprise why I wanted to have Shelly on the show. I found her as I find so many people, just like you guys, I'm sure, on Instagram and her aesthetic and just the the kind of life she's living and the kind of work she's doing really caught my attention. She's obviously a really cool person, really interesting person, and I'm excited to introduce you to her. All right, let's jump on in. Shelly, welcome to Bella Figura. Hi, thank you. <laughs> of course. I'm so happy to have you here. I've been following you on Instagram for some time now. And as I was preparing for the show, I kept trying to find a way to sum you up. <laughs> <laughs> but pleasantly, it's difficult. And I love people like that, which is why I wanted to have you on. You do so many different things, yet they all go together. So I'm really looking forward to unpacking a little bit of that and talking to you about it. But before we begin, I love to ask my guests to tell me a little bit about their roots and the people that they come from. I love that. Thank you. Um, well, I, 
Yeah, I'm just super grateful to be here this morning. So thank you for of thinking of me and reaching out. And I feel um, I feel super lucky. That I actually have several historians in my family on both sides of my family. So we have like really good records of our background and my ancestors and all of that. And I know that's not true for everybody. So um, what I would say is most of what I uh, have connected with is that I'm Welsh and French and um, specifically coming from the Huguenot French people. And um, my understanding is that they were makers and craftspeople. And that makes sense to me because pretty much I think everybody in my entire lineage has been some sort of a craftsperson, either as an artist or, um, you know, full-time to make a living or, or whatever. But um, yes, I'm Welsh and French and my family, um, I'm in California and um, a lot of my, once we came over, to you know the United States um, a lot of my family uh, like my greats were based in Iowa and um, we've always been kind of rural people and um, I'm born and raised in California and I've pretty much lived here my entire life so yeah that is really amazing because a big part of this show is heritage so I talked to a a lot of people about their heritage. And it's true, not many people have those historical records, myself included. And for someone who talks so much about heritage, I, I really don't know past like my grandparents or even a little bit great grandparents. I don't know my ancestry. I've never done a deep dive into it. I hope to one day, but I always wonder about what you know, you know, that knowing that you come from yeah. this line of, of people who are doing, who people who did what you are doing. I find that so yeah. amazing. And I, it must give you this level of I don't know, richness and depth and, and like conviction. It definitely, um, it's been a long time since I've looked at, like, I have a couple of albums that are like our family trees on both sides my, of my parents. And it's been a quite a while since I've looked at it. We've moved a lot in the last 10 years and it's probably time for me to, you know, to get the albums out and look at them again. But I, I would say definitely I feel connected. You know, when I think about like Welsh people and French people, it, it doesn't surprise me that uh, even if my ancestors didn't keep sheep directly, it makes sense that, um, I'm a sheep person. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's you know? so, that's so amazing. So, it's, I find that just yeah. basically magical. It, the, the, the times can change. Uh, the surroundings can change, but there is still this essence that we have just, it's just in us. It's just part of the lineage. Yeah. It's really special. So you describe yourself as an independent designer, artisan, hide, tanner, and rancher. I pulled that, I think, off your website. <laughs> yeah, that's, like, that's the most recent bio. I like try. I love that you started with like, I'm having a hard time sort of pinning down what you do. And I'm like, me too. Um, and sometimes that's a struggle. And then sometimes it makes sense to mm. me. Um, I I've recently been thinking about this and 
Um, I haven't, I haven't spoken it out loud. So I'm just, I'm just sort of articulating yeah. it right now, but I think what might be unique about what I do is my, my lifestyle and like way of living is not separate or my, my livelihood, like how I earn my income is not really separate from my life. Right. You know, it's like, which is rare, kind of the same thing. in this world. Yes. Yeah. Your art comes um, from your lifestyle directly. Like you're using yeah. parts of your lifestyle in your, in your creations. And it all has an energy yeah. and it all has brand is a too superficial of a word to use. It all has a style, I think is the better word. And I, the reason I wanted to have you on is because I think I saw that element, which was your life was not separate from your work. And more and more as I dive into all of these ideas and, and frankly, try to craft my own life in a similar way, I realized that in order to slow down, we have to add some of that element in, right? You can't always be running off to somewhere else. You can't always be escaping. So how did you tell me a little bit of how you came to this work? Let's just start at the beginning. Um, well, I think to do that, you know, my, you know, I'd have to talk about my childhood and where I grew up. And I guess I was really lucky to grow up on a, a pretty large, um, ranch and in Northern California. And I, we, we always had animals, cattle, sheep, horse, um, and it's funny growing up, I felt so different than everybody mm-hmm. that I went to school with that I actually really didn't like it. And it was hard and, and it didn't have to be that way, but I just didn't feel, I, I struggled with a sense of belonging, you know, in, in school and, you know, I practiced or I was in 4-H and FFA. And so I showed sheep and I showed cows and I showed horses really competitively all over the United States. And I did a lot of that because school was such a challenge for me. And and like I said, like a sense of belonging and friends and it just, it just didn't work for me. And I lived in the ag department. It was like the only way I survived. So I took all the plant classes, all the animal science classes. I took welding. I took anything I could make or learn about in the, in the ag department. And that would like, um, you know, supplement for a regular science class. Anytime I could do that, I would do it. And that was the only way I think I survived my teenage years. And then, um, yeah, and just being, just being connected with horses was really a saving grace. And so I think that, you know, growing up that way laid like a really strong foundation. And then in my in my twenties and after high school, I didn't want anything to do with my family. I wanted to do something completely different. So I took yoga classes and um, studied Ayurveda and all these other things. And I really wanted to, uh, what I called it was build my life resume. And what's funny is I just sort of made this full circle 
um, you know, back to where I am now, which is really rooted in a ranching lifestyle. But I, I, I wanted to, I was thinking about this earlier. Um, you know, I was working full-time as a waitress and I, I was closing down a restaurant and opening a coffee shop and I was living on my own. Mm. And for the first time in my life, I was able to pay my bills and have my own place. And um, I was just working my ass off. <laughs> and I remember thinking like, there's gotta be more mm. to life than this. Mm. And I, I didn't go to college because again, school was a challenge. And um, after that, I went to a junior college a little bit and, you know, I, I do love to learn. And so, you know, I kind of had that revelation of like, there's just, there's gotta be more to life than this. And I found a farming school and I thought that that was going to be my path. And in the process of doing that, um, I learned about permaculture design and I took a, a certification in that, and that was sort of um, the beginning of, of where I am. I, I, my fiance, who's my fiance now, Nick and I, um, we both took this class and it ended up being the beginning of this nine month course. And we thought we were there for just two weeks. And the nine month course was sort of like an outdoor um, adult nature connection program. Oh. And in that program, we learned you know, uh, regenerative farming practices or permaculture design. We learned how to weave baskets, how to tan hides. We learned council work. We learned from uh, indigenous people. We learned just this huge spectrum of, you know, inner skills and hand skills. And um, one of the courses, the hide tanning, um, I, I, in that moment didn't necessarily connect with it, but it stuck with me. And, you know, going back to how I grew up, we always hunted on our property. So I was really familiar with like hunting for deer and that sort of a thing. So when then we came around to learning how to tan this deer hide, it was sort of like just a real familiar process to me. And then just something, something clicked right. and and you know maybe like a year later I realized that was all I wanted to do mm. and mm. I've I in that process I I just realized how drawn I was to like raw materials like just raw wool and not even the yarn although I love yarn but like raw wool and raw textiles and raw plant material and just um I think about my French ancestry a lot when I think of that of just like really handmade materials and just always been drawn to that sort of thing I don't know that's like a yeah no that's <laughs> I wonderful. could go on and on <laughs> no I, I love that you know I I think it sounds very much obviously like it's something you were born into obviously we've already discussed you know possibly even born with i i love hearing people's stories for so many reasons but one of them is there are these patterns that we all go through or you know different patterns but they're all kind of similar they repeat themselves and one of those mm -hmm. is the the journey out before you can kind of come back and i'm definitely right. 
one of those people, you, you go through a phase where you just, or a period, it's more than a phase where you think, you know, everything you were raised with, you need to kind of rebel against. And you're not thinking perhaps about it in these terms. You're just thinking of staking your own personality, your own interests. And then, you know, if you're, if you're lucky, most of us tend to come back around and realize that basically where we started is what's inside of us, which is how I came to start doing a lot of this work about like my Italian heritage and just heritage work in general, because I also realized that a lot of people, especially in this country, feel very lost and they don't know who they are and they, they feel rootless. And a lot of times connecting to that beginning, you know, connecting to that root, that heritage is what starts to, to give them a real sense of self. I get DMs from people all the time who basically say that they, they grew up with all these traditions and this culture, and then they lost it, whatever it was, they went on to try and build their resume or, you know, working these high power jobs or just thinking it didn't matter. And then they turn, right. They turn like 35 and they're, or they have a a kid that often happens. They have a child and they feel like something's missing. And then they end up, you know, listening to the show and, and it helps them, which is, which is wonderful. So that's beautiful. I love hearing stories like that. So many of us are trying to pull together the disparate loves and passions and parts of ourselves. And you could look at somebody like you and in, on Instagram and think that it all came together like that. And so it's really great. Mm-hmm. Right. I think it's important for people to hear that these roads are not always direct or easy. Yeah. I mean, I would say like anybody who sees me on Instagram and thinks that like, I'm just getting started. Like I'm in my like first home ever. Like we've never, my fiance and I have been together for 13 years and we've more sheds than we care to remember. Like Mm -hmm. we've always just been like piecing it together. And, um, this is the first time since I left home that I feel like I actually have a home. And so that's just, it's just allowing for so much, like so much undoing of like, you know, I think for months I didn't even move out of a box and I thought, well, I'll just like put this box in the cupboard and keep it, you know, labeled this certain thing. And then I'll be organized. And it's like, Oh wait, like that's actually trauma, you know? So Mm. I, I feel really grateful that yeah, that, that we have a home now and can be rooted, you know, and, and all, all of those things. And yeah, it, it, it really does help contribute to your ability to create things. I think yeah. personally, yeah, if you're, especially if you're that type of person that needs that, I definitely think, you know, there are people who can, yeah, some work. people take photos all over the world and never yeah. have a home and that works for them. Yeah. That it horrifies me. Oh my, oh yeah. my God. <laughs> That's a lot. It was really hard for me for a yeah. long time. I get that. I get that. And I, I, before we started recording, I was telling you a little bit about how I'm kind of back and forth between homes mm-hmm. myself and it kind of wears on you, um, you know, but it's, it's just that season in our lives where we're figuring out things and I resisted it for a while, but I have to just jump in to the fact that this is just what it is and just try my best to keep you know, treading water or kicking, I should say. Yeah. (laughs) So most of the products that you create, you create hides and also dresses, they, 
from what I can tell, they seem to sell out very fairly quickly. Uh, why do you think people are willing to pay a premium for these kind of handcrafted items? I, I think this is a switch from maybe past decades that I'm seeing more and more of. Yeah, well, I think a couple of things. Um, I think we're craving connection and that's showing up in a lot of different ways. You know, all the ways we've already talked about connection to place, connection to ancestry, connection to ourselves. I think that's one thing. I kind of lost my train of thought there. It's just that connection. I guess the word relationship popped into my mind. Like we really, we really want a relationship to things, you know, that are, that's in our home that we're wearing. We want to believe in the story. We want to know it's good for the environment, you know, wherever we're, we're at on that journey of, of longing for that connection. And I mean, the other thing, just to be truthful, is like my production is really small. You know, um, both of the kind of industries that I work in, the meat industry, so using sheepskins as a byproduct for the meat industry, and then all of the textiles that I use are a byproduct of either the fashion industry or their vintage. So um, my production isn't that big, you know, so I might only put out 10 dresses in a collection because that's all there was. And then I also work with really uh, small scale production artisans. Um, and so they're not, you know, I'm not working with a company that's like able to crank out like a lot of pieces of anything. I really like to be connected to each aspect. So like I, if I'm not tanning the hides, I'm still picking out all the raw hides, you know, and um, I pick out all the fabrics and um i think that also keeps my production really small so i think it's two things my production's small and i think we really are looking for that connection to things you know i i understand what you're trying to say you're saying you know you're not making hundreds of items and they're all selling out quickly you're making right right you're making a small amount but still i always find it interesting and inspiring that people are still snatching items like that yeah. up because I mean, I, I see why it would cost more than if you went to the store and bought it. I see the worth right. in that. And I think that that's probably what your clients are seeing. Yeah. That there's, there's something in that handmade-ness. <laughs> Yeah, I think we can feel it too, you know, even if we're not, even if we're buying online, like that we can feel the story, we can feel the relationship, we can feel the depth of a handmade product. Mm, mm. Um, I mean, they look different, you know, and um, I think there's, there's more going on even within our bodies than we realize when right. we're drawn to something. It's as though we've been so conditioned that handmade doesn't matter or homemade doesn't matter or, or craft doesn't matter. I think it's another aspect of what I was saying before. It's almost as though we wake up one day and we look around and we're like something is missing. Mm -hmm. I can go and buy all this stuff and my house is filled with it, but it's something still missing. And maybe that artisan homemade slow made is starting to fill to fill that gap. 
we, we just want, I think what we want is an experience of authenticity and as if we're really here. <laughs> yeah. 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 I, I often, I mean, I don't know a lot about this, but I often think about, um, you know, the, the great depression mm. and, and what came out of that. And it's like, my mom will tell stories of like, I just love depression glass. Mm. And I think she would tell me like, you know, they would put that in like boxes of cereal just to sell cereal. Oh, and, I didn't know that. Uh, or your laundry detergent. You know, there would be these like, you know, it's better than a Cracker Jack box type scenario. You know, just these really amazing things just to get people to, to buy something because, you know, for the most part, society was, you know, people were, were really struggling. And, and then what came out of that is this need for all this ease, you know, I think like Tupperware and like Ziploc bags and plastic and like, you know, TV dinners and like all this, like, okay, we need comfort. So we're just like bringing all this comfort, bringing all this comfort. And now we're comfortable for the most part, you know, it's a generalization. We're comfortable as a society and we're like, okay, wait a minute. Mm -hmm. I don't, you know, I'm not, I, I don't feel anything. I, I don't have any relationship to any of this stuff and, and we're craving that. And so we're, you know, kind of like rebuilding our homes and our lives and, and then simultaneously, you know, we're such a entrepreneurial culture, you know, so supportive of that, like, you know, go out and make your own things. And so I think not only are we looking to purchase products that are handmade, we also are wanting to learn how to make things ourselves a lot as a culture right now. And Right. Um, I, I agree with that. I think last season, the theme was home and I love to do the show mainly because I get to meet people like you and take some time to talk, but I also I pick the themes and the guests selfishly is I want to talk to these people. I want to learn these things. And last season, what I really learned was how pervasive convenience and ease is in our culture. And I think before I had done the season, if you had kind of brought up the subject, I would have said, yeah, of course I see that, but now I can, spot it and verbalize it within myself so much more. I'm, I remember mm-hmm. I did an episode, a solo episode where I talked about Alice Waters book, We Are What We Eat. And as I was reading that book, it surprised me. I realized how much that's it's in me. I mean, I live here. I'm, I've absorbed it, but just this idea that sometimes you know, you're cooking and you're thinking this is a waste of time. I just spent two hours cooking this meal. Why? What's the point when you really could just go out, right. And just pick something up off the shelf. And in exploring that idea, I really have come to understand that, that, I mean, the, the question itself, why am I doing this is all almost the problem because you are doing it because life is not about convenience and ease. It's about feeling your soul, feeling alive, connecting. So we've almost been, not almost, we have been, we have been taught without even realizing it that our ultimate goal every day should be convenience and ease. So this season is about slowing down 
And I think I got this from your in, an Instagram post of yours, but you said just a reminder to, to say that what I do is dedicated to a slower way of living. How does your work force you to do that? How does it force you to slow down? It's, it's funny. Cause I'm also so busy. I'm like, what mm. am I doing? I'm so busy. I feel like I'm going all the time, you know? And I think a lot about beauty and the word beauty and there's a slowness in that. And we can move fast, but still be slow. Mm. And I think what's in there is this element of observation and taking the world in, you know, just like really savoring the moments. And that doesn't mean we're not productive or we're not driving 70 miles an hour down the freeway, but there's like an awareness and a presence. And to me, that's what slowness is. It's, it's breath. It's like breath and connection and beauty and, and just enjoying every moment. And the more times we can just pause and, you know, look out the window and take it in, I think the more we can achieve that feeling and really just being present. So almost in the course of your busy day, instead of just mindlessly running through it, you're, you're just aware in each moment as you're working or as much, as often as you can be. Yeah. It's like, you know, just continue. It's a practice, just continuing to be with the dishes, you know, as you're doing the dishes and really, you know, the, when I first started my business, I called it tend and T E N D. Mm. And I've been thinking a lot about that lately. Um, and it, it ended up being too difficult of a word for people to be like, what did you say? Right, and right. So, so it wasn't really, and it's one word, so it didn't really work, but the, but the, but the idea is still, you know, the root of my business. And that's just, you know, tending to everything, tending to our relationships, tending to our home, tending to, you know, our bodies and tending to the dishes and just really like, you know, I'm using, I'm using a lot more hand gestures right now, as I'm saying this, just like slowing down. And um, I think too, I love that definition. And that's why I wanted to do this theme this season, because I want to explore this more for, for myself as well. I love that definition. And for me, I, I find I have a lot of, uh, there can be like a, an energy if I'm not aware that if I'm not aware of what I'm doing and that energy is really stress and like tense. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think that that alone, just, just knowing like, I have to step back constantly throughout the day and just say some days are worse than others. And just say like, I'm doing it like, like almost like a horse gallop it's getting done. You know, like I'm not stopping, I keep moving, but instead of having this frenzied energy and feeling like this heart pounding, you know, you just, you just kind of know you're taking bites out of the work you need to do. 
Hey there, folks. I hope you're enjoying the episode. I just want to take a quick break here to remind you that another sponsor for season three is Dry Farm Wines. If you've been listening since season two, you have heard me talk and talk and talk about Dry Farm Wines, and I am still in love with the company and their products. Dry Farm Wines sources clean, natural, organic, biodynamic wines from around the world grown on small family farms. This wine is wine you can drink guilt-free, knowing that you're not damaging your health or the earth. All of their wines have no additives, no colorings, no added sugar. So you can drink a bottle of wine with someone you care about knowing that that bottle of wine likely has less than one gram of sugar in the whole bottle. Wines you're buying off the store shelf are loaded with refined sugar, loaded with dyes and toxins. You can use the link dryfarmwines.com forward slash Bella Figura to get a bottle for just a penny in your first order. That's dryfarmwines.com forward slash Bella Figura, and I will link to that in the show notes. Also, just a reminder, I also have an Etsy shop. You can visit me at bellafigurastore.etsy.com. On my website, I am featuring items that you can purchase that align with all the things that we talk about on this show and on my other platforms. Things that help you connect to old world style, to ancestral traditions, authentic things that align with your values. I have my photographs up for sale, vintage items up for sale, beautiful jewelry that I curate myself with a lot of thought, a lot of design, and a lot of intention because I know they are pieces that you guys will love. And I don't put anything in the shop that I don't want to wear myself. And I, in fact, wear pretty much every piece of jewelry that I have on that shop. So go ahead and check it out. It's bellafigurastore.etsy.com. There's a spectrum. There's, um, you know, one end of the spectrum, we'll say the extreme end, there's our current society. And it's, it's not, um, I would say for the most part, it's not, um, uh, what's the word, like, it's not conducive or valuing. It doesn't value like slowing down, right? It right. feels very fast. Feels like it's getting faster every day. Oh, yeah. And then on the other end of the spectrum, you know, there's like meditation. There's like actually sitting and not doing anything. And I think um, we have to, I think there's a lot of discomfort that we don't even realize in slowing down in society right now because yeah. it's so opposite of what's what's norm you know quote unquote normal and so I think in order to sort of like recalibrate especially if it's something new so Instagram is is really would you say like your main avenue of selling is through Instagram um 
Yeah, it's it's the main mode of advertisement for sure. And then I just, you know, I have my website and I, I try to really build my email list yeah, because smart. Instagram's just never know. so unpredictable. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm really in, um, I really like Instagram and value it um, as a tool to network with people. Like I've just, I've made, you know, great friends and yeah. you know, meeting you and different opportunities. And I really value that. And I'm, I'm also like, can I just put out a catalog? <laughs> like, mm. you know, like I really, you know, what, what is still available that, um, you know, could be more interesting and tactile. And by the way, a catalog from you actually sounds great. Like when you said that, I was like, yes, <laughs> inside. I just went, yes. <laughs> yeah. And I think fun. people, I think people would like yeah, that. If I can, yeah. If I could get consistent enough, I, I just get like, I have so many ideas. And by the time I, an idea like comes into fruition, I'm just, I've like moved on. And yeah. so I'm really trying to like. Slow down. Slow down. <laughs> okay, yeah. I just, you know, these hand gestures, like, slow down. <laughs> You know, it's interesting following you on Instagram. I, you seem to have like most of us, but perhaps you're a little more vocal about it. You have this kind of tension with it. You're not afraid to post kind of when people send you aggravating messages or, or send, say, say aggravating things. Uh, The most recent was, or the most recent that I saw, at least, you know, you're again, as I said, you're making craftsman products from scratch, you know, you're starting from the beginning, you tan the hides, you find, I I don't know if you use the animals solely on your ranch. Do you? No, uh, I source most of my hides. Most of the sheepskins come from processing places in California. So the other ranches are raising them and, um, I'm just picking up the raw, the raw skins. Right. And then we, I have, uh, 60, about 60 head of sheep and goats. Um, hmm. and we definitely keep all the hides, but I haven't had a lot of animals that we've processed I see. for meat. So, okay. and then um, in, in that somebody had been like complaining about the price of a dress you did not like that. Right. Right. <laughs> well, that was a really interesting experience because, um, it was another woman had posted, um, you know, the dress and somebody commented on the post and about the price. And, um, I, you know, I try not to get too caught up in that, but I, I was just like, I'm going to be totally transparent. And I actually worked it all out in my head and, um, you know, just laid it all out there. And then, uh, what ended up happening was there was this huge conversation. She has, you know, the woman who posted it has three kids. And so there was this huge um, conversation on her end about, you know, motherhood and feeling comfortable in your body mm-hmm. and, you know, pray, wanting to praise her for, you know, investing in something that she loved and made her feel good. And then, and then the, the conversation I was having on my end was about, why did I feel like I needed to be so transparent? Right. Like, what did I, like, I know what I'm doing and I know that I believe right. in it. And like, we're not going to target and being like, you know, or. Right. Whoever, that markup, that whatever, markup is insane you know. at, at places like that. Nobody realizes it, Yeah. but you know, you're paying five cents to make something. Then you're paying 45 to buy it. That's a high markup. Yeah. 
but but any you know mainstream brand we're not like knocking on their door and being like you know show us the the back end of this and so it was a really interesting moment and then it mostly what came back was I wasn't charging enough ah uh, how interesting I was like don't was like, <laughs> my comment was don't explain yourself <laughs> but that's yeah, my new, yeah. that's my Why New York feel- Italian yeah <laughs> Why did I feel like I needed to do that? Mm, it's a, mm. is a really, I think that question is just gold. Yeah. Know? Maybe to learn this so, lesson that you don't need to do it. Right. Right. Sometimes yeah. that's, that's yeah, it's it. It's interesting. I would say one thing that I struggle with a lot on, on social media is like, am I, uh, well, gosh, a few things just came to my mind, but like, am I, uh, do I say too much? You know, like mm. often a lot of my posts are just like really just like dredging out how I'm feeling. And then I'm like, wait, or am I a brand? And I just want to say, look at the pretty sheepskins I have, you know, or whatever. And I think either are great. And I, I fight my head a lot yeah. about that because often I have something to say, but I try to keep myself in some little box, you know, and that I shouldn't say something or I don't think you're alone with that. I really don't. I I think that's super common feeling right now. Uh, Not to mention we, we don't live in a society any longer where you can say what you think. I mean, you guys can write me letters and argue with me about that. But the fact of the matter is it's no longer a free speech society. And I think I have decided that just like you can't do everything, I can't mm-hmm. comment on everything. You, It's almost like I keep saying Instagram is memoir. It's not biography. And so you, in, you know, in memoir, you pick a storyline and you go with it. In biography you or autobiography, you talk about your whole life. I was born this day and every right. single thing that happened. And you just have right. to pick, right? You have to just kind of like pick a lane or two and- it's a memoir. <laughs> yeah, it's a memoir. And I think there's also that line yeah. where people, you know, again, that this kind of sticky term brand, because you are a brand, people do want to hear now and again, how you're feeling and what you're thinking and more intimate things. So it is a, this balance. It's a weird place. I mean, we're, yeah. we're like accustomed to it, but it's this really weird thing. <laughs> Social media. Yeah. Yeah, never normal. been done before. You know, right. just like working it out in real time. There's no, there were no rules, there were no guidelines. And yep. everything's there, you know. And so, yep. and and like you said, there are definitely benefits. I too, I find a lot of my guests there, and also, you know, you make relationships. You meet people. I I can't tell you how many people I've started with on Instagram, and now I talk to on the phone and text. Right. Yeah. That's Same. a real thing too. And you, I never would have, mm-hmm. they're all over the country. Sometimes the world, I would never have met them otherwise. Right. It's just like this weird double-edged sword. You have to kind of stay on the razor's edge, like so much in yeah. life, you know? So I really yeah. love this thing you're doing with the, the salvaged fabrics and the dresses. And I, you talk about the fabrics as if you're like rescuing animals. <laughs> And I think it's really cool. Could you talk a little bit about that? Because I'm not even sure I completely understand, you know, when you say salvaged, rescued, you know, what, what does that look like? I know it's a part of the fashion industry. So let's talk a little bit about that. 
Well, um, I can just sort of speak to my understanding of it. Um, uh, again, going back to like, I just love raw material. So like linen, you know, knowing that it came from, from the flax plant and, you know, what goes into making linen and wool and just these, you know, natural fiber textiles. I just, I just love it. And, um, there, uh, I, I don't know how it happens, but you know, when a, when a more mainstream company, you know, a, a major company can actually have a fabric made. I don't actually, I don't know how they do that, but they can right. design it and, you know, they, it goes into production and, you know, this certain, um, design is made. And then let's say, you know, like the shirts we're wearing. So they're going to make a hundred of those. And then they decide they don't make that shirt anymore, but there's like 20 more yards of that fabric. Okay. Well, that goes to, there's a whole uh, district in LA um, where that fabric goes and how that happens is I, I'm, I don't know that part of the story, but um, it's a lot of fabric and uh, like, I don't know if you saw my stories a couple weeks ago, I was down there doing a big buy and I found sometimes the tags are still on the fabric mm. and there was a tag and it said helmet Lang. Oh, wow. You know, which is like, yeah. you know, very mainstream high end, mm -hmm. you know, for people who don't know, like Ralph Lauren, mm -hmm. um, uh, company and I was just like I loved that it wasn't a fabric that I wanted but I was just like wow you know just like a piece of the story yeah and I actually look at both the sheepskins and the fabric that I use for the garment as the supply or the demand I always get this wrong I actually look at that as the demand and, um, you know, like in the marketing world where there's supply and demand, I actually look at it kind of the opposite way. Mm. Like we actually eat a lot of lamb in the U.S. And so there are a lot of sheepskins that just get thrown away. And it's a biodegradable product. So I'm not going to get, you know, like crazy about that. But it's also a really beautiful product, you know. And so why not utilize that to add value to our homes, to our lives, you know, all of these things. And so same with the dresses and uh, garments, like the fabric is actually the demand. There's this huge demand to save, you know, all this beautiful linen that's just sitting there, all this old wool or cotton, there's tons of cotton. And there's also like, you know, a ton of polyester and rayon and, and other, you know, fabrics. And I still, I still, even if it is salvaged, I try to only source natural fibers, but, um, yeah. I and then you design the dresses and, and you, yeah, I design all the dresses and then I work with a really small team in LA. Um, it's like eight people that, that sew in the, for this company or sew in this, this place. So now, do you have any, um, do you have any, um, do you have any experience with uh, dress design? Are you, are you, are you, no. are you, okay. So you're not even. No, not at all. My, 
my only experience is when I was showing horses um, as a, I showed horses really competitively from the age of nine to 18. And we would design, we would pick out fabric and design my clothes for mm. showing horses. And I had my own scene, my own seamstress. And so um, I'm really familiar with like, you know, tailoring and that sort of thing and, and fabric um, and being able to recognize fabric, but as far as I design ask, and production and pattern making and sewing, like I have no experience. I actually, I can sew a pillowcase and that's about it. Right. I ask because I think that that's amazing when I, I love to just remind people that, you know, you don't have to go to the fashion Institute necessarily to then, yeah. right. Like leap into something like, like what you're doing. Uh, I also yeah. ask because for me, I have like you, I have so many ideas and I find as being an entrepreneur and a creative person, that so much of the work you have to do is, is solving how to bring your ideas into life. It's not even coming yeah. up with things. It's how do I take this thing I've already come up with and make it real. And yep. the fact that you don't have experience with this, but you're doing it is good. I just, I feel like that's inspirational for me and for, for hopefully people listening. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think I would have loved fashion school or something like that. Um, yeah, I, think me too. I would have really excelled at that, but, um, and so there are some days where I'm like, man, had I, if I had that information, I feel like it would be helpful, but, um, so yeah, you just, I don't, I don't think so. I mean, I, I was just listening to a podcast yesterday, um, about this guy who's received, you know, uh, he has several restaurants and has received some Michelin stars for a couple of his restaurants. And he said he dropped out of high school and culinary school <laughs> Amazing. and he has, you know, these like the best of the best restaurants. So I think, um, but it's true what you're saying, the entry point, like how do I get into the industry without that background can just be almost impossible. Yeah. You have to just use more of your creativity to, to solve it. And so you just located people who would make the dresses that you designed. Basically you just tracked them down. Um, well, (laughs) I, the very first thing I wanted to, to sort of add to my line or start producing or idea I had was like a poncho. And so I started looking for fabric and the fabric I found actually had this really beautiful story, but it wasn't really poncho fabric. And so then it turned into a jacket and it was really, um, it was this organic cotton and all California sourced wool and the fabric was actually made in California, which is, it's just really rare to have that Mm. small of like a supply chain for fabric. And it was expensive. And I was about ready to make this jacket myself. And I knew that that was like, not a good determined. And so I went to Joanne's fabric store, my local store, and was asking all the women there you know, does anybody sew? Can anybody make a jacket for me? Like, I'll like picture you like, standing in the middle of Joanne's. Does anybody sew? Yeah, <laughs> anybody well, I, sew? Was, 
I knew that I couldn't just make a sample piece out of this really high-end fabric. So I went to Joanne's to buy a fabric that, you know, wasn't as expensive and was a similar type. And then was asking the women there. And finally, somebody was like, well, why don't you just go to the place on the corner? And it was like, um, it's like a tailor, Mm -hmm. uh, local tailor shop, suit shop. And so I went there and she just looked at me and then gave me this slip of paper with this other woman's name on it. And I, when she did that, I was like, oh, this is it. This is gold. And so I met that woman and she got me started. And then I was lucky enough to be introduced to a, um, a place in LA that could do a little more production. And um, that's great. I, I That's just yeah. you having this vision and this passion and just following one, put one foot in front of the other. I, I talk so much on this show about the, the fact that we seem to think we need to have all the answers before we start things. And I love talking to all these creative people mm-hmm. and these people, right. Who are pulling the vision that they want for their lives together. Because what you realize is the difference between people who do that and who don't is they just do it. They just start, they just jump in right. And learn as they go. And that's it. Yeah. To me, sometimes my creativity just feels like, like this little like devil with a whip on my back. Just like, go, go, you got it. Let's get this. Let's do this. And all these ideas. And I'm just like, I don't want to, I just want to rest today. You know, yeah. I'm just like, yeah. you know, I mean, it's kind of dramatic, but, um, so I just like stick with something. And then what I think happens is it's like a prayer and it's like, it's, you know, a thought and it just works on you. And then everywhere I'm looking, I'm, I'm reflected back some version of that. And then, you know, I maybe tell you, Hey, I'm thinking about this thing. And what do you think of it? And you're like, Hey, I actually know this person and you start networking and that's just how I do everything. I'm so open and I'm constantly telling people, you know, my friends or, or, or people on, you know, that I'm connected with on social media, the something I'm working on. And then it just maybe starts to happen. And I, I think what I'm working with right now is in the past, if that journey was too difficult I use that as a sign that it wasn't supposed to be. Mm. And I actually don't know if that's true anymore. Mm. And so I'm really, I'm really just working with that. It's like that idea of ease again. We have, we have this idea, yeah. you know, that if someone's gotten to a place where they're living the life that they want, have the career that they want, it was easy. And every step continues to be easy. And the more people like you, I mean, is full-time artists, entrepreneurs, they're still solving, you know, the problem that arises every day in how to execute their work. Never easy. They they just don't give up. It's right. It's never easy. You know, I take photographs when I was younger I loved taking photographs. This was before digital cameras. Yes, I am that old. And we used to go into the (laughs) dark room and I loved going into the dark room and developing film. And then I just hit a period of life where I just stopped taking pictures because 
I think I thought, well, I'm not going to be great at this. So what's the point? You know, that little devil speaking of that just eats away at you doing the things that make you happy. I've, I've since, you know, a couple of years ago picked back up really doing it. And I still have many learning curves. I mean, not to mention Photoshop, Lightroom. I mean, it's a whole other planet and it's, I'm currently like literally right now in a period where I know I need to move from what I was shooting to this, these other things I'm seeing. And I'm frustrated because I'm in that middle ground where I have to solve how to get there. I'm not there yet, you know? And probably in the past, I would have said, forget it. I just suck. I'm not good at this. Uh, But I know enough now to know that everybody goes through this. This is, this is what you have to do. Yeah. And that that's actually like, that's life. That's like, that's the, that's the gold, you know, it's, Mm. it's that whatever that saying is. And I actually really don't like the saying, but it's like not the destination. It's the journey. Right. You know, and I remember when I was younger and I would hear that, I'd be like, (laughs) Oh my gosh, like, please. No, but it, it is, it's just, each of these moments that we have to like really savor those opportunities where we're learning and where it's challenging. And I say that now, like yesterday I had like a really frustrating day and I was just (laughs) like, ah, so I know, I know it it is definitely, but, but I think that it does all of us well to remember that we, we live in a society where we think things should be easy. That's it. You know, when you hit those roadblocks, just remember that that's in there and we have to unpack that and, and reverse yeah. it, you know? So well, as mm, go ahead, please. I'll just add one thing to that. Cause the word just popped into my mind, the difference between easy and easeful. And I oh, think I like that's that. bringing in that beauty again, you know? So like, okay, this is frustrating right now, but how can I, you know, like, make it more easeful, you know, and not get stressed and not resisting it is one way Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. that I think that's a part of slowing down too. just, just it's, it's also like the other side of the coin of slow down is go with the flow. Yeah. Just relax, relax. (laughs) Oh, it's such a good reminder. I need that right now too. (laughs) I do. I was it's, it's, speaking. I was funny. You mentioned Joanne's. I was literally there yesterday buying all this stuff. I'm like, it's cause, cause I know I, I'm like, I can't execute what I'm seeing. And I went into the flower, uh, section. I'm like, God, all this wire. So I'm like, you know, like it was kind of like frenzied, but, but not, I, right. I just, it was direct. I was like, I have to solve this kind of like when you went into Joanne's and it's like, does anybody sew who, know, you know, I just yeah. was like, I have Somebody to help me. <laughs> I was like, I just have to stop being frustrated and just get what I need and learn what I need to learn. That's it. Just calm down. And, you know, I did feel better doing it and and those tools will help me. So as we wrap up here, uh, you also do animal processing classes and sheep camp. And though I know, again, you don't have tons of slots, but they also seem to sell out, which I think is it was just, I think is really cool. So people are not only wanting to invest in your creations, but they want to learn themselves and just hoping you could talk yeah. a little bit about 
how that came to be and just how that works and what you feel like people take away when they come. Yeah, this will be the first um, sheep camp opportunity. Um, But I think that what I'm noticing is that it's going back to the relationship piece. You know, we want to be, I think there's a lot of different reasons why people are signing up. Either they want to be connected to their food, so they Mm want to know more about sheep or... um, or they want to be connected to land and slowing down and like are interested in a a rural lifestyle. Maybe they didn't have that experience growing up. And then also people are just interested in actually, maybe they're a little bit on a different part of the journey and they're like, I think I want to have sheep, you know, what is it like to keep animals and care for livestock? And uh, yeah, all of that I think is just rooted in wanting to be in relationship with um, you know, with whatever we're passionate about. And, and again, like that entry level difficulty, like where do you get experience, you know, being on a ranch or in a rural or ag lifestyle? It's really hard. I don't have any animals. Uh, I, my listeners know that I kind of talk about all the time, possibly getting some, and there's always like this back and forth because it's a really big commitment. And considering we don't, we're living in like 12 different places right now, (laughs) you need to be settled and rooted before you make that decision. But, um, I have talked to a lot of people who do, and I, I feel like raising and tending farm animals is also a way to slow down. It just seems as if you enter their pace in a way and their space. Is that correct? This is just what I'm gleaning from conversations. Yeah, I mean, I think that um, it's really being in the presence of animals, like we have horses, goats, sheep, and dogs. I think just sitting, you know, in the in the pasture with the sheep just regulates your nervous system mm-hmm. because animals, um, they're not, their flight or fight response is real right like our flight or fight response actually is um a perception you know we we put ourselves into those modes because of stress and um and other for the most part i mean certainly there are real you know times when that happens but um so when a lamb is just or a sheep is sitting there comfortably eating that we can feel that energy field of just absolute relaxation. And yeah, I mean, it's, it's still, you know, like a busy lifestyle and can yeah, be a lot of work and so many decisions to make. Yeah. And a lot of work and, um, but I think it's a really rewarding lifestyle. That's what people seem to say, you you know, and and I always think of the holy family and this, you know, story of a manger and, and the animals, you know, in, in that. And I, Mm -hmm. I think of that, that there has to be this element of that where you're, you're just rooting back into this pace of life that we have really become so detached from. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I think, I think there's, there's, I see people wanting that now because they're looking for everything we've been talking about, you know, connection, a slower pace to feel like they're alive. You know I mean? We all work. Well, most of us work really hard and it's what's the difference working really right. hard. Right. And taking care of a farm and a ranch, but having that reward or, you know, getting up at 5am to rush and put your makeup on, get to the bus, commute into the city, sit at a desk, blah, blah. It, you know, everyone makes their own choices, but I think people are just feeling like I'm, I'm busting my ass anyway, but mm-hmm. I don't get that reward, mm-hmm. you know, and they want that reward than that, mm-hmm. that feeling. I didn't have any animals for 10 years and then 10 or 12 years maybe. And then uh, we got a dog Mm. and I remember we joke about it now. I remember being like, Oh my gosh, what did we do? Like this is so much responsibility. Yes. And yeah, now we look back and we're just like, ah, you know, <laughs> we got three yeah. dogs. Like, right. let's get another one. It like doesn't matter anymore, you know? And it's like, well, how much dog food do we want to be buying is more the <laughs> question. <laughs> but it grows, it grows. Yeah. yeah. Well, um, I want to, I want to thank you so much for, for joining me and being so open talking about how you've built your career and, and, uh, how you maintain it and the places you want to go. What's next for you? You know, I don't even know right now. (laughs) I've really been noticing, um, I've been taking most of January off from sort of what I would call like, you know, my hollow bone work. Um, Certainly, you know, I'm working every day on other things, but but just really trying to rest and relax and we'll be... um, heading into lambing season. So all of our ewes will start having lambs here shortly. And that's like full on. Um, We get up and check them around the clock and make sure, you know, everybody's doing okay. And, uh, you know, nobody, none of the lambs or ewes need help. Um, It just, what's going to happen this year doesn't feel clear yet. Mm. Um, I feels different. I'm trying to give myself a lot more permission to be creative. And um, it was a really big deal. And a lot of it was a big shift for me to go from selling hides to also offering dresses. Mm -hmm. And there are days where I'm like, this doesn't make sense. And I really struggle with that. And I'm, I'm trying to feel like it makes sense. <laughs> it's interesting because um, from just give my yeah, sorry. Just give myself permission, you know, to really right. dive into all of it. Just so people know there's a little bit of a yeah. delay, so I'm we're not trying to interrupt each other. It's just a little it looks like she's <laughs> done talking and I go in to talk. It's funny because from the outside it doesn't look unnatural. It actually looks like a very natural extension to me. Yeah. At least like you, you making dresses now. It, it seems to all fit as I said at the beginning, before we started, it's hard to describe you, but yet it all makes sense. It's all in line. Well, thanks. (laughs) Of course. Well, I'm really looking forward to seeing. Uh, Yeah, go ahead. Sorry. 
I'll just say the simple answer, I am working on, you know, some more dresses will be coming out in the spring and I have a, a little bit of outerwear, like some jackets that I'm working on and uh, there will always be hides and there will always be classes and this summer we'll be hide tanning classes because the weather will be nice. Um, yeah, just more. Yeah. Trying to do more of the same and share more of what I do. And yeah. And and you'll that. find out as right. you just keep taking the steps. It'll it'll fall in right. line. Yeah. Well, I'm looking forward to yeah. seeing seeing what unfolds and your your creations to come. Thanks again for taking the time to to speak with me. Yeah. Thank you so much. Thanks so much for being here with me as we jump back in with season three. Stay tuned. I have a great season ahead for you. We're going to keep exploring this topic of slow down. As always, shoot me a DM over on Instagram at Dolores underscore Alfieri underscore Taranto. And you can email me at Dolores at bellafigurapodcast.com. Here's to knowing your roots and cultivating a beautiful life from their past.